2 Kings 6. As you're finding your place today, uh, I heard a story about uh, two lumberjacks who were competing to see who was the best. Uh, this timber company that they worked for decided to hold a contest among its employees. And so a cash prize was going to be awarded to the man who could cut down the most trees in a day. Well, the competition came down to two finalists. There was a young buck who was quite proud of his skill with the axe, and then there was an older man who'd been in the logging business for 30 years. So the final day of the competition had come, and the young man uh, just knew that he was going to win. And so he plunged into that task with a full head of steam. Uh, you might say he looked like a human buzzsaw going through the forest there. And uh, at one point in the competition, he looked over, and he saw the old man sitting on a stump. And he seemed to be taking a break. And the young man thought to himself, well, I've got this whole thing wrapped up. That old man, he can't keep up with me. So he started to even spend that prize money in his mind as he was felling those trees left and right. He thought about buying a new truck. Uh, he thought about going on another week-long fishing trip. And so he was doing well when the whistle sounded and the day's work was done and the sun was setting. The contest was over. Then the final tally came in. And much to his utter shock and chagrin, the young man learned that he had been beaten. The old man had in fact cut down three more trees. And so, as you might imagine, he was utterly perplexed. And he went over to the old guy and he said, I don't get it. How in the world did you beat me? I'm 20 years younger than you are and I can work circles around you, old man. I don't know how you beat me. And the old man gave his answer. He said, well, son... He said, every time that you looked over and you saw me resting, you need to know I was actually taking time to sharpen my axe. Think about what Abraham Lincoln said, one of those great presidents of our past. He said, if you give me six hours to chop down a tree, I'll spend the first four sharpening my axe. And the reason is simple. We can either work smarter or we can work harder. And my papa, as he got up in his years, he would watch me do my tasks and chores around the house. And he said, son, watching you just makes me tired. He said, you've got to learn to work smarter and not harder. I'm going to be talking today about the subject of recovering your spiritual edge. How do we maintain our spiritual sharpness? If we're all honest, our spiritual lives can uh, take the approach of that young, cocky lumberjack that I was telling you about. We can lose our spiritual edge. Uh, we can become prideful. Uh, we can run through the motions, so to speak. We can become dull and ineffective in the service of God. I think about what the old-time Southern evangelist Vance Havner once said. He said, To me, church services start at 11 o'clock sharp and end at 12 o'clock dull. And I would add to that that you know you are dull when your relationship with God feels more like a rut. And by the way, you know what a rut is, don't you? A rut is a grave with the ends kicked out. And maybe that describes some of you how you feel today. You are in a rut and you've been there for some time and you don't know how to get out. 
Well, in 2 Kings chapter 6, we have recorded, in my estimation, one of the most unique miracles that's wrought by the hands of the prophet Elisha. It's a miracle that involves the recovery of an axe head. And I think it teaches us several interesting principles of how to recover our spiritual edge. So if you will, join me in 2 Kings chapter 6. We'll start in verse 1. We'll read the text, and then I want to make some applications for your life. 2 Kings 6, starting in verse 1. Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, and each of us get there a log, and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, Go. One of them said, Please go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. And so he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, Take it up. And so he reached out his hand and took it. What an interesting story. We're talking about recovering your spiritual edge. The first principle that I see in this story today, number one, is that we must recognize our problem in losing it. If you've lost your spiritual edge today, the first thing that this text teaches us is we have to recognize the problem in losing it. Now, let's back up a little bit. Elisha wasn't just a traveling preacher and a miracle worker. He was a mentor and a teacher. He took time to invest in the next generation. And that's important because the youth are not 100% of our population, but they are 100% of our future. And he was something like a principal over a school of young men who were training for the ministry. And these students, we read, come to the prophet Elisha, and they ask him, they say, Sir, our facilities where we dwell are no longer fit for us. They're too small to accommodate our numbers. We need to enlarge. We need to build some new dorms and classrooms. Will you accompany us down to the Jordan River where we're going to cut down some trees for this building project? And so we read that Elisha accompanies them. He goes down to the river, and as they are there cutting down trees, one man loses the axe head on his handle. It falls off and it sinks down in to that muddy river. Now as you read that, you understand that this young man wasn't necessarily doing anything wrong. In fact, he is pursuing God's call for his life, isn't he? And isn't that exactly how we end up losing our spiritual edge many times? Uh, we're going about life. We're raising a family. We're working hard. We're swinging away at problems and challenges as they come our way. We're doing church. We're doing ministry. We are busy doing what we believe God calls us to do. But at some point in the fray of battle and the busyness of life, we realize, wait, something's wrong. My spiritual edge is not what it used to be. In fact, it's gone. My prayer life is dead. 
My worship is dull. My passion for the things of God ain't what it used to be. Now maybe at some point in your life you realize this. You had real evangelistic fervor at one time, but now you can't remember when was the last time you shared your faith or when you even tried. Perhaps you were in the habit of daily prayer and Bible study, but now it's gone by the wayside. At one time you had such high standards, but now you've compromised with sin and you've lowered those standards and you've lost your edge. It could be that at one point you looked forward to coming to the house of God, but now your worship is as dry as last year's corn shucks. So the first thing that we read here is this junior prophet. He cries out to the man of God and he admits his problem. We read it there in verse 5. It says he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. And so the fact that this young man lost something that didn't belong to him only compounded the situation. Because now this young man is indebted to the fellow who loaned him that axe. And keep in mind, this is the ninth century B.C., so there's not an ace hardware on the corner where he can just go and buy another one. Iron was a precious commodity. So now he's in trouble. He's in debt. So as you read this and you think about its application to our life, this may not seem like a big deal. In fact, it may seem very obvious to us but the first step to solving a problem is admitting that there is one. The first step to recovering your spiritual edge is to realize that you've lost it. Think about Samson. The Bible says about Samson that uh, after his dalliances with Delilah, the seductress, that when the Philistines broke in, he rose up and didn't know that the Spirit of God had already departed him for Delilah had cut his hair. He didn't even know that the anointing and the gift of God had departed him. And sometimes we can get to that point in our spiritual life as well. We're blind. We don't want to admit the problem. The very obvious problem that the spiritual edge is gone. Now this fellow, he could have used and that as an excuse to quit working altogether, couldn't he? Oh, well, I lost my cutting edge I think I'll let somebody else do the work. By the way, I've met folk in church who have that same mentality. I've done my part, preacher. I, I'm old and it's time for me to retire. I'm tired. I deserve a break. And I'll take this as a sign to step aside and let others do the work for me. Funny thing is, you don't read the word retire in the Bible. It's not there. The other thing that this fellow didn't do is he didn't pretend like everything was okay. He didn't pretend like he still had his edge and just kept going. I've met Christians who are like that too. They don't want anybody to think that they're weak. They don't want anybody to think that there might be something going on in their spiritual life. So they keep going through the motions, keep pretending, keep acting as if everything is the same, hoping that nobody will notice. And friend, I can tell you, that's a terrible place to be because what you'll end up doing is you'll start relying on the flesh to serve God. Think about it, friend. I can preach without the anointing of God, but you know what it'll be? It'll be words without power. 
You can serve God and just go through the motions, but friend, it'll be stale and cold. And after a while of beginning to do that, the cracks will start to form and you'll start to wear out and your edge will be lost. I think about James 4.8. Remember what James 4.8 said? It says, draw unto God and He will draw near to you. If you are feeling far away from God today, like your edge is gone, friend, guess who moved? It wasn't God. I think about the story that I heard about the old Native American. They called him Indian Joe. He went to church one Sunday to hear the preacher and it just happened to be a Sunday where the preacher had spent more time on the golf course that week practicing his swing than he spent in his study preparing for the message that Sunday. And so it was very obvious. A lot of times when uh, preachers don't have much to say they, say, they decide, well, I'll just put on a show. And so this preacher started doing that. He was very bombastic. He was yelling, he was screaming, he was running around, just putting on a big to-do up there in the pulpit. And as uh, they gave the invitation and the service concluded, the people started leaving, they walked out of the church, and one old boy stopped the Indian Joe and said, Hey, Indian Joe, what did you think of that preacher? Man, he was really preaching up a storm. What did you think? And the old Native American Indian Joe, he stopped him and he said, High wind... Big thunder, no rain. <laughs> High wind, big thunder, no rain. In other words, no rain means no content, no nourishment, no depth, no, nothing to refresh and replenish the spirit of the people. And friend, that's what it's like when you've lost your edge. It's an uncomfortable place to be. It's a weakening place to be because you know you can't serve God in the way that you have and the first step to start to get that back is you've got to cry out and, and realize, hey, there's a problem here. My edge is gone. My passion is dead. The embers of my heart are smoldering. And so when you lose your spiritual age, listen to me. You have to be big enough, man or woman, to take personal responsibility for it. Because we live in a blame culture. And I hear the excuses all the time that Christians give. You can't point your finger at the preacher and say, Well, he didn't preach to me and I don't get anything out of his sermons. He don't feed me. You can't point your finger at the church and say, Well, I lost it because... They don't have the programs that I, that I like. Or they don't offer enough for me. Or they don't sing the songs that stir me. Friend, listen to me. The buck stops with you and me. No one is responsible for their walk with Christ except you. <laughs> so if you've lost your spiritual edge and you know it, the first start, step to getting it back is to say, wait a second, there's a problem. Something's wrong here. There's a disconnect. My service isn't joyful anymore. My worship isn't powerful anymore. My prayers aren't getting any higher than the ceiling. I don't have any passion for the lost. God, what has happened to my spiritual edge? So number one is to realize the problem. Number two, how do you get back your spiritual edge? Well, we read about it in verse 6, and number two is this. Listen, revisit the place where you lost it. 
Revisit the place where you lost it. Verse 6 says this. And then the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. Now, can you hear your mother's voice ringing in your ears right about now? (laughs) Think about it when you were a kid and you lost that favorite toy or that blanket or that stuffed animal. We hear it all the time at my house. Mommy, where's my blanket? Mommy, where's my Lego? Daddy, where's my this and that? And what did your mama tell you? Same thing my mama told me. Well, where was the last place you saw it? I'll tell you a story. (laughs) There was this one day that I lost track of my glasses. This doesn't happen to any of y'all, by the way. You ever lose your cell phone? Well, you think about a crisis. Your whole life is on that cell phone. Can you remember all the numbers that are in there? Isn't it funny how we're paralyzed if we lose our cell phone or our keys or, in my case, my glasses? I lost my glasses. And you need to know that without contacts and without glasses, this old boy is blind as a bat. I'm just a few steps away from being legally blind. But I lost these glasses. And I went on a tirade. I was almost frustrated to the point of anger. I could not find my glasses. And I even said, Lord, (laughs) help me find my glasses. The kids were hiding. The cats and dogs were pouncing through the house. I was tearing that house up. Well, Caitlin says, where is the last place you lost it? Go back to it. I started walking around, tearing everything up, trying to find my glasses. And I walked by the mirror. And as I walked by the mirror, I caught something out of the corner of my eye. And I looked in the mirror, and as I looked in the mirror, I saw my reflection, and there were my glasses right there in my own shirt pocket. Praise God. He answered my prayer, and he made me look like an idiot in the process. I had to repent after that. Honey, I'm sorry I yelled at you. I even had to apologize to the dogs and the cats. My goodness. But when you've lost your spiritual edge, listen to me, when you've lost that edge, you got to get specific with God and say, God, take me back to the place where I lost the anointing, where I lost the fire, where I lost the old-time passion that I used to have. Lord, did it happen when I stopped reading my Bible and praying and spending time with you every day? Is that where I lost it, Lord? Did it happen when I got my feelings hurt and somebody said something at church that I didn't like? And I've got that grudge against them, and I won't talk to them. Lord, did it happen there? Is that where I lost my edge? Did it happen when I went back to that old sin that I had sworn off and said, I'll never go back, and in a moment of weakness, the devil ate my lunch? Lord, did it happen when I fell into that temptation again? Did it happen, Lord, when I started pursuing worldly goals? And I started thinking about a bigger paycheck, and a truck, and a boat, and so on. Lord, is that where I lost my spiritual edge? See, friend, listen to me. You've got to get specific with God. If you know it's gone, and you've got to go to Him and say, Lord, I know it's not here. Where did I get off track? Where did I drop it? You know, there's an interesting principle that runs through the Bible. I was studying this week. You know, when somebody gets out of God's will, when they're in disobedience... God does something interesting in that discipline process. When somebody loses that spiritual edge, you know what He does to get them back on track? He takes them back to the point 
where they fell off the will of God. He takes them back to that very point, and he says, this is where it happened. Think about Jonah. Jonah's a good example of that. God told Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach to those pagan people. And Jonah said no, and he hightailed it and ran the opposite direction and went to Tarshish. And then, of course, you know about the storm and the sailors, and you know about how they cast him in the sea, and then the big fish came and swallowed him. And the Bible says he spent three days in the belly of that great fish. The Bible then says that God spoke to the fish and the fish sped him out on the dry ground. And then the Bible says in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, And the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jonah a second time. God took him back to the very spot where he got off track, sped him out and said, All right, now Jonah, let's do this my way. Peter's another good example of this. Lord, I'll never deny you. I will follow you when everybody else has abandoned you. Well, the night of Jesus' trial, as he's passed back and forth between Herod and Pilate and uh, the Jewish officials, uh, Peter is there in the background warming his hands by the fire. Hey, do you know him? He said no, and he denied Jesus not once, twice, three times before the cock crowed. Just as Jesus said, the Bible says when Peter realized that, he went out and he wept bitterly. If you've ever disappointed yourself and disappointed the Lord, you know about bitter tears. But praise God, we serve a God of a second chance. And Jesus, when He resurrected and raised from the dead, He found Peter a few days afterward, got him alone on the beach and said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times He asked him as a reversal of the three denials. He took him right back to the place where he had fell off and said, Peter, I'm not done with you, but here's where your heart wavered. Now that I know your allegiance to me and you've changed and you've learned something about yourself, Go and feed my sheep. And that's the answer here, friend. If you know you've lost that spiritual edge, you've got to revisit that place. It may be hard on you. It may be uncomfortable. You may not want to go there and face God, but friend, I'm telling you, this God is merciful. This God is gracious. And He'll help you get back on track. Here's the good news. Listen to this. If you're a child of God, failure is never final. It's not over till God says it over. And yes, you may have made a mess of it, but I'm here to tell you we have a miracle working God. He can take that mess and turn it into a miracle. He can take that problem and use it as a platform to show you that He's still on the throne. You revisit the place where you lost it. You recognize your problem in losing it. Then number three, I want you to see this. You rely... On God's power to restore it. Am I preaching to anybody yet? I hope this applies to you because this preacher needed this text this week. Notice what verse 6 and 7 says. The man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. He cut off a stick and threw it in there. How strange. Make a note of that. And made <laughs> the iron float. Isn't that good? Now can you imagine? Here's this young man, Elijah's protege, standing there, knee deep in the muddy waters of the Jordan. He said, I think it fell somewhere right about here, Elisha. 
Elisha went over the bank, broke him off a twig, threw it down. And I imagine that old boy's eyes got about as big as saucers as he looked there and he saw that axe head float up to the top like a bar of ivory soap. Praise God! You ever taken a bar of ivory soap in a stream? <laughs> you ever been camping? I have. But you know what? This miracle is amazing because it's like a few others in the Bible where watch what God does. What the man of God does here is he covers over the mistake and the embarrassment of the situation. God isn't a God of shame. You need to hear that today. There's no condemnation in our God. There's conviction. There's Holy Ghost brokenness over sin and failure. But we don't serve a God who wants to condemn you and beat you over the head. We serve a God who's full of grace. And who says, "All right, I know there's a problem here. But let me help you. Some of you need to hear that today. But, you know, Jesus did this at least twice in His ministry. And when they came to Him at the wedding at Cana, oh, we got a big problem, Jesus. There's no more wine. How embarrassing that was to the person who planned that wedding. And Jesus took care of the problem, didn't He? How much did He love Peter and cover over the failure and the brashness of Peter when there in the garden Peter took out that sword and cut off the ear of Malchus? They probably would have arrested Peter and crucified him too if Jesus wouldn't have picked up that ear and put it back on and healed that man. But this is a similar miracle like that where the man of God is covering, he's restoring the mistake and he's saving somebody from embarrassment. God knows, listen to me, how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. Nobody intends... To lose their spiritual age, but it happens in life. It happens when we're careless. It happens when we're overworked. It happens when we are lazy, when we're distracted, when we're disobedient. But God is so gracious. And when you've lost your spiritual edge, the way to get it back, listen, the way to reverse it is you've got to go to the one who can restore and redeem that situation. Just like this young man is powerless to make that axe head float, we are powerless to restore the spiritual passion in our lives. You can't work it up. You can't do it through religious devotion or going to a priest or praying through rosary beads. You only can get that restored passion from the source and that's God Almighty. And just like, think about it, that axe head, he said, it was borrowed. Brother, where'd you get your ability to sing? Ma'am, where'd you get your ability to have a servant's heart? Sir, where'd you get your ability to work hard with your hands and to know what to do? Where did this old boy get his ability to preach the Word of God? You know where it came from? It came from him. It's borrowed. God gave it to you and to me as a gift to serve and use it in ministry. It's on loan. And friend, this Christian life, it's not just difficult, it's downright impossible unless you have the Spirit of God. One day last fall, we went out to harvest the potatoes in our garden. Daniel and Abigail, they wanted to get involved in that. So Clifford brought down his tractor, 
We plowed up that ground. It had just rained a couple, two or three days before that. Real heavy rain, real soaking rain. And that ground was, it was saturated. It was heavy, wet soil. You know what I'm talking about? So we're out there collecting these potatoes, and I've got my wheelbarrow, and I'm putting them in there. Well, Daniel has a little red miniature wheelbarrow, and he wheels it down there. And he says, Daddy, I want to help you get potatoes. That's what he calls them, potatoes. I said, all right, take your wheelbarrow right down that row, and you and sister, y'all pick them up. So they started going down the row, and they were picking them up, and Daddy, is this a good one? No, that one's got a hole in it. Throw it away. Now, here's a good one. Daddy, look how big this is. This is as big as a softball. Yeah, put that in the bucket. And so we started filling up this wheelbarrow. Remember I told you that soil, though, it was wet. It was heavy. And that little feller, he grabbed onto the end of that, and he, he tried to push, push that wheelbarrow through that mud, and it wouldn't budge. The mud got caked up around the wheel, and it just wouldn't go anywhere. And I sat back, and I watched him push, and I watched him struggle. I said, Daniel, I said, you need some help, buddy? He looked over at me, wiped his nose. He said, Daddy, he said, I'm stuck. He said, but Daddy, he said, you're strong. He said, Daddy, you're strong. I said, let me help you, buddy. And I got down there and grabbed a hold of that wheelbarrow and pushed it out. We pushed it out into the yard. And friend, that's what I want to tell you today. You get stuck in your spiritual life. It's natural. It happens. God knows it's going to happen. But I'm telling you, you don't have to struggle in your own flesh, in your own ability, and spin in the mud. You can look up and you have a heavenly Father and say, Daddy, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. And you know what? You're strong. And you'll find out that He'll meet you where you are. And He'll help you recover what was lost. This God will condescend to your need. And you'll think after it's over, why did I wait so long to ask for help? He wanted to help me the entire time. you got a heavenly Father who's watching and waiting. And He'll get you unstuck. By the way, what's up with the stick? Isn't that not weird? Did you notice that in the story that the Bible says that Elijah cut that stick and he threw it in the water? Nothing's by accident in the Bible. You know that? That's a picture, if you will, a wonderful symbol of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, think about it. Like that axe head, the sinner is under the waters of death. They're hopelessly lost. They're submerged in the muck and the mire of their sin. But the Bible says that when Elisha cast the stick in the Jordan, that the... Praise God, the nature of the axe head was changed so that it could defy the laws of physics and float up to the surface. It was buoyant. And friend, I'm telling you, the stick is a picture of what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you and me. You see, Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 5 calls Jesus the righteous branch of David. <laughs> The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.24 that Jesus was crucified on a 
tree. It's the transforming power of the cross that changes our very nature. He who is in Christ is a new man, a new creation. Behold, the old things have passed away and the new has come. And He changes our nature and He raises us up from the place of sin and death. And He uses us for further ministry. That's what He did. He picked that axe head up. He took it and put it back on His handle so that He could be fit for ministry again. And friend, that's the gospel. He raises us up. He cleans us off, sharpens us up, and puts us out into service to be used for the usefulness of God's kingdom. The last step is this. How you get back your spiritual edge? Well, you've got to recognize the problem in losing it. Then you've got to revisit the place where you lost it. Then you've got to rely on God's power to restore it. And then lastly, listen to this. You respond by doing your part to recover it. Respond by doing your part to recover it. Notice this. This is so interesting. Verse 7. And he said, that's the prophet, he said, take it up. So he reached out his hand and took it. Do you see that? Don't miss Elisha's command to the young man there. You see, through Elisha, God did the impossible. He brought the axe head to the surface of the water. But Elisha said, now you pick it up. Here's the point. In order to recover that spiritual edge, God will do what only He can do, but you have to be willing to do what He's asked you to do in your obedience. So in order to recover that spiritual edge, God may ask you to do something very simple. How easy is it? Reach out and pick it up. He could be asking you to do something very simple today. Hey, start meeting with me daily. What happened to those times when we used to read the Word and pray? Get involved in serving again. Or He could be asking you to trust Him. Write that tithe check. Write that offering check and trust Him financially. God may be asking you to do something more difficult though. He may be asking you to visit that place of hurt in your heart and say, you know what? You lost your spiritual edge right here because you won't forgive that person. And you need to go forgive that person. And then God says, you forgive. And then we can move on. You may have to confess a sin issue that you've been hiding and sweeping under the rug. And you say, nobody knows. Oh, but God knows. He'll put His finger on the nerve of whatever it is. If you're lost, if you're unsaved today, the first step is that you have to repent of your sin. That means turn from your sin. Trust in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. You don't have a spiritual age. You're dead. And you need to be raised to life if you don't know Him. Listen, whenever God has asked you to do, the cost of disobedience is always greater than the cost of obedience. Let me finish with this. Jim Cimbala. He wrote an amazing book a few years ago called Fresh Wind and Fresh Fire. It's a story of how this pastor, Jim Cimbala, took about five people in New York City Half a dozen people. 
God called him to this little tiny dying church. And the, the uh, book says that as you read it, that Jim Cimbala was running himself ragged. He was trying to do everything in his own pastoral energy to make this church work. They were just barely eking out enough. He wasn't even really getting much of a salary. Their building was dilapidated. Nobody was getting saved. People were just, it, it was just like Ichabod. The glory had departed. And then he came to the discovery, he said, that he found out through several different means that somebody had been stealing the offering. Deposits hadn't shown up in the bank like they should have. Somebody who was handling the money was stealing it. He said this, One Sunday I was so depressed by what I saw and even more by what I felt in my spirit that he said, I literally could not preach. Five minutes into the sermon, he said, I began choking on words. Tears filled my eyes. Gloom engulfed me. All I could say to the people was, I'm sorry, I can't preach. I've lost it. What did he lost? That spiritual edge. He said, something has gone terribly wrong. God, help us. He said, I planted my head into the pulpit and began to weep uncontrollably. But soon, he said, the Spirit of God fell on our tiny congregation. People began calling upon the name of the Lord. God help us, we prayed all in unison. My wife began to play an old hymn, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Oh, this hour I need thee. Suddenly, he said, in that Holy Ghost moment, a young man came running down the center of the aisle and threw himself on the altar. He began to cry as he prayed. And when I placed my hand on this man's shoulder, he looked up with tears streaming down his face and said, I'm sorry, preacher, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Please forgive me. He said, I realized that he was confessing to being the one who was taking the money from the offering plate. And I stood speechless, he said, by this unexpected wave of God's Spirit. He wrote in that book, he said, this was our first spiritual breakthrough. He said, at the moment that I had lost everything to do ministry, I found the power and the presence of God to restore back to me what I had lost. And then he wrote these words. Listen to this. This quote is worth the price of the book. He said, God is attracted to weakness. He doesn't resist those who humbly and honestly admit how desperately they need Him. Our weakness, he says, in fact, makes room for His strength. That's where it is. Have you lost something today? Something precious? Your cutting edge is gone? Guess what? There's a way to get it back. But the first step is to say, Lord, I'm weak. God, 